welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, Devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which has given through you prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Hello, my name is Emily Crow. Uh, my husband Eric and I have been attending The Well for nearly seven years. And you might see us running around the Vaughn site with our three-year-old and our one-year-old, Zeke and Miles. We've got another one coming in June, so <laughs> we're a big crew. Um, I work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is an international uh, ministry that works with university students. Mm -hmm. I have been working with InterVarsity in Toronto for seven years now. So Vijay asked me to come and share about what my experience has been like working with the next generation. Before coming to Toronto, I worked in China with university students for four years and in the United States where I'm from. So today I will be saying Gen Z instead of Gen <laughs> Z. <laughs> um, and I define Gen Z as born between 1997 and 2010. So a little bit different than the definition that Melissa gave us. But um, today I brought my colleague, Sanjana Daniel. Uh, she works with me in InterVarsity. She attended Dalhousie University and then worked there with InterVarsity for five years before coming back mm -hmm. to the GTA. Currently, Sanjana is our digital ministry specialist and our associate minister of evangelism. And so mm -hmm. she's going to help me um, talk and we're going to have a conversation about what we've been seeing and learning and um, 
what our hopes and dreams are for Gen Z. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if you could introduce yourself a little bit and then tell us why you do what you do. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. Um, I will be saying Gen Z and then <laughs> maybe occasionally slipping into Gen okay. Z. Um, so as Emily said, I work with InterVarsity in the areas of evangelism and digital ministry. Um, and basically I got this job because of COVID. Uh, what I mean is the pandemic kind of forced us into adopting digital technology, whether we had a previous proclivity for it or not, right? Um, but the challenge of communicating complex ideas well to students uh, over this like new medium actually was really exciting to me. And mm. so I got invited to do that in a more national sense. Um, but yeah, when I was on campus, which I spent most of the pandemic on campus, nice. um, that question came up really quickly of like, how do you minister to students when you can't actually physically be with them, right? Yeah. Because our job as campus ministers is so embodied. Yeah. But like, how do you share the love of Christ when you can't go on a hike, you can't sit in the student union building, yeah. you can't like look people in the eye when yeah. you talk Hiking to them. on Zoom is just not the same. It's really not. No. And that's the thing, like you try to take some of your normal activities and put them on Zoom, mm -hmm. but like, Mm -mm. I don't know anybody who still wants to do that. No, yeah. So I think we've like <laughs> hit our limit yeah. on Zoom activities. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think we're all kind of hoping that things can go back to normal more or less. I mean, we got to walk into this building today without masks on, so that yeah. was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is we can't be ostriches when it comes to the digital world. I think the, the church, the Western church in particular, has been guilty of like just sticking our heads in the sand <laughs> when it comes to stuff. Yeah. Um, and realistically, like we should have been on top of digital ministry yeah. like 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> it's not a new phenomenon. Sure. But we're here now, right? And mm -hmm. this crisis has made us um, think about it more acutely. Um, yeah, and so that's why I do what I do. Yeah, so today we're talking a lot about digital natives, which includes yeah. Gen Z, but actually we're talking everyone who's born after the internet age. So yeah, it right. encompasses actually so many, um, all the future generations. Mm -hmm. um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about some of the trends that we're seeing um, in Gen Z particular, but that we can expect from future generations that totally. are digital natives. Yeah, um, so a lot of my job right now is reading, <laughs> just reading like sure. academic study after academic study, right. book after book. God bless you. Um, <laughs> So there are a lot of trends, and I'm not going to go over all of them because we just don't have time. Um, but I will give a couple of examples, and we have put together a resource list that will get to you so you can look at some of this mm -hmm. stuff on your own. Um, firstly, the amount of time that youth have spent or are spending in front of their screens uh, during the pandemic has jumped from about four hours per day to about eight hours per day, Ooh. according to a study in the Journal of uh, the American Medical Association, their mm. pediatric section. Um, so most researchers don't expect that number to go down significantly post-pandemic. And is that, is that like including school or? No, that's not. That's actually just recreational wow. use. So okay. before you account for online learning, kids on average are spending eight hours per day wow. on their screens. Yeah, and I, that's a very broad measure, like screen time that includes a lot of things, but it mm -hmm. in this case doesn't include school. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's not hard to find uh, studies that examine the effects of social media and broad media and screen time on things like um, the erosion of self-esteem or desensitization to violence, mm. or internalization of depressive symptoms. Mm. Um, 
increasing polarization driven by algorithms, I think is like kind of one of the newer, bigger things that people are talking about right now. What do you mean when you say that? So um, when we use social media, our use dictates what is given back to us. So let's take TikTok for an example, because they have the algorithms like down to a science. Right. Um, so you can have your TikTok feed entirely full of horse things if you want. And that's like <laughs> all you'll ever get sure. is horse TikToks. Right. Um, but that's a mild example. When you're right. talking about polarization, you're talking about um, a, like worldviews and right. opinions. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So on social media, if you start seeking out more conservative voices, the algorithm will feed back to you more and more and more and more and more conservative voices. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't stay in the pocket that you maybe started with. It actually moves you further along that track. So that's mm -hmm. true in a liberal direction as well. That's true um, if you're talking about like I don't know, what are some polarizing things? Stuff around like COVID. <laughs> sure, yeah. Or like right. anything you can think of that people are divided on right now. Mm. Um, the algorithms that are used by social media companies will actually push you further and further into polarized directions. Right, so our sense of reality gets skewed. Yeah. In, and That's I mean, right. we're seeing this, so we can have a conversation about age and stage. So we could easily ha have just talked about young adults and yeah. what the trends are in young adults. Mm -hmm. um, but particularly for Gen Z, the context is so crucial. Can you talk yeah. a bit about that? Yeah, that's right. Like, so what we mean by age and stage, like if we can give an example, is um, like you take the, the period of adolescence, which researchers are now, like scientists are now extending to like your mid-20s. Mid <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. It's like failure to launch stuff yeah. to the extreme. But it's a time, <laughs> it's always a time of significant identity development, mm -hmm. right? And individuation. Like that's not just true for Gen Z. That was true for us Absolutely. as millennials. That was mm -hmm. true for Gen Xers, right? Like I feel like if we think back, we can all remember the angst Absolutely. Of adolescence, yes. like mm -hmm. trying to figure out your place in the world. Who am I? Where do I belong? Who yeah. are my people? And then also like, am I likable? Am I cool? Am I attractive? All of these things. So like those values haven't changed. Those needs haven't changed. What has changed is the context, right? So um, let's say when we were in school and we were like dealing with those questions in a very like the high school cafeteria way yeah, yeah exactly great example the high school cafeteria you can leave the high school cafeteria <laughs> and go home <laughs> yes and those are separate places right but actually with like personal smart devices becoming so ubiquitous or having become so ubiquitous and social media being so normal for teenagers and um, other people in gen z to to engage with those spaces aren't really separate anymore. Right, so the high school cafeteria follows them home. It's everywhere. They live in it. That's, that's right, yeah. They live in that Ooh. dynamic all the time. Yeah, wow. Um, so people are starting to talk about it in terms of like a hybrid reality. Mm. So your physical reality and your digital reality are actually like really merged. The line between those things so is blurry. so, so blurry. Wow. Um, and then just like, that line is blurry, it means that like the distinction between your personal identity and your sort of public persona mm -hmm. is also really blurry, yeah. right? Like those things are quite merged, which means that the feedback that you get about your public persona, about this idea of yourself you put out there on the internet, actually impacts the way that you feel about your actual self. And they're getting hard data yeah, that's about right. likes, yeah, right? That's right. followers, like a number. 
Right, so I can now post something mm -hmm. that is really vulnerable, is really true to myself, which is very in line with the values of this generation, which are all about authenticity. I mean, that's another one of those things you could talk about with Agent oh, Stage. I think all For of us sure. in our youth value authenticity. Mm -hmm. They can put something out that feels really real and really personal mm. and count exactly how many likes they get from it, exactly what kind of profile engagement, how many personal messages they get. Um, and that is like a type of analysis that Gen Z is able to do that previous generations weren't because of the internet. Right. Okay, so we could easily talk about the damage of yeah. social media. I'm curious, <laughs> what are the positives? What, what's the positive about this living in this hybrid reality in the digital world? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think exactly that idea that... Um, your sort of physical reality and your virtual reality are blended, makes it easier to reach out across the world. Oh, absolutely. The idea that what you do mm -hmm. online actually impacts real people in real places. Mm. So with the war in Ukraine, something that we're seeing is a real divide amongst Russian people, both mm. in Russia and around the world. Um, and that divide is primarily like age, it seems mm. like. So younger people tend to be more anti-war mm -hmm. and like older people tend to be more pro-Kremlin. Because the younger people just have access to information outside of the propaganda of the government. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, like I could be wrong about this, right? Sure. But I think a big part of it has to do with how they're accessing their information, right? right? So like older people tend to trust state-sponsored news programs, whereas like the younger people are getting their information from the internet, which as much as you try to control the internet, it is a vast uncontrollable and, world, right? and in our and, and we have so much less control than they do because they right. are so much more informed. Right, they're so fluid with it. Like mm -hmm. it's just it's their it's the water they swim in. Yeah, right? and we've they're seen not learning it. We've seen our students participate in these things through the internet. Yeah, it's it, they're so creative and how they totally. use the digital world to connect and actually help. Yeah, I mean there was like early on in the war there was sort of like people who were booking stays at Airbnbs in right. Ukraine. Yeah. Like nobody's traveling to Ukraine right, right. now for holidays. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. But Thanks. they did that just so that the hosts who were on there would get the fees. <laughs> right. And have some to help. help fuel the economy a bit. Right. Like that's so creative. So mm -hmm. like we've seen over the last couple of years, we talked about before the algorithms, right? Like how this sort of unregulated flow of information can lead to extreme division and polarization. But I think we're also seeing how this like free access to democratized information can provide a really helpful counter narrative mm -hmm. to propaganda that's put forth by authoritarian governments. Wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, the world is changing so rapidly and Gen Z will play their part. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, um, I'd love for us to talk a bit about in our experience as campus ministers, how do we predict that Gen Z will change the landscape of not just the workplace, but also the church? Yeah, well, I think this like hybrid reality bleeds into everything, right? So like a number of um, scandals, I guess, have come yeah, up in the church sure. lately that um, I think the internet has helped to sort of like blow up in a way that maybe wouldn't have happened before. Hmm. You know, it used to take like a like a huge news story in, mm -hmm. in what was it, like the Boston Globe or whatever that mm -hmm. broke that story in the 90s. Um, and now it just happens so much more quickly. For better right? or worse. For better or worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something that it does is it holds us to a higher standard, right? Like there is something yeah. that this generation of digital natives understands about the fact that like 
nothing is hidden. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually really biblical. Sure. The idea that nothing is hidden. And so like we can't actually hide behind our desires for privacy or decorum mm -hmm. or whatever. Like we have to face the ways in which we're not walking the talk. Yeah. Um, we're not practicing what we preach. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, of course, wisdom needs to be applied to, to that sort of sure. stuff to not yeah. just like fall into jadedness and disillusionment. Absolutely. Um, or like take the response of like, let's just lob a grenade into this, right. blow it up and run away. Yeah. Which is so often our response when things aren't healthy or going yeah. well. But yeah, I, I would totally agree. I think Jen, Gen Z has held me to such a higher standard. Um, you know, back when I was younger, we kind of would choose our platform, the, mm. the social justice issue or the thing that we cared about that we wanted to advocate for. But Gen Z, they care about everything. Yeah, and they have to care about they everything. They have to, and they bit, expect right? us to care about everything. Yeah. You know, and so um, that has been very challenging, totally. I think, for me, because it's required me to really reflect on my integrity in every area of my life that mm -hmm. I actually do what I say I believe. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's been overwhelming, but so good. You know, the Christian way to phrase that is they have called me to a holier way of living. Mm. And we've had to model because, you know, previous generations, it, it, particularly in the North American church, we've relied so heavily on teaching. Right. Um, that's been the main yeah. way we've practiced together as right. the church. But actually this future generation, they're watching us. They're, they want to see us model. There's teaching and then there's watching. And so yeah. that's, um, that's a lot <laughs> for us. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, um, but it's, it's even more for them because they're aware of what, the, of the world that they're growing into. You know, um, this past Sunday at church, I was chatting with uh, a, Gen, a Gen Z York student and, hey, Nina, I'm going to quote you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're, I was sharing with her about how hard it is for us to find leaders in InterVarsity uh, amongst Gen Z. And she said, mm -hmm. yes, because we're so overwhelmed. Yeah. And I, it just resonated Word. so deeply with me because these young people are carrying the weight of the world in their pockets yeah. and not just the weight of the normal adolescent social issues, the weight of war, of, of refugee crisis, of climate change, yeah. huge, massive things yeah. um, that we're. And she said, you know, the older generations, it feels like they expect us to mm. fix them. And in some ways we do, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> and I mean, it just reminds me so much of um, this isn't like a new thing, you know, like yeah. I think all generations have felt pressure. I mean, we even see in scripture, uh, there's a young leader named Timothy. And Timothy is, has, is appointed as a pastor in the church in Ephesus. And um, in the library of scripture, there are two letters that the apostle Paul writes to Timothy. And from the context, we can see that Timothy's experience is not far from mm -hmm. Gen Z of facing overwhelming circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, Paul meets uh, Timothy in modern day Turkey, central modern day Turkey, a city called Lystra. And um, Timothy's mother is Greek, and he's a, just a young man. His, or no, his mother, his mother is Jewish. Jewish and his father confused. is Greek, so he's bicultural. <laughs> yeah, um, but he isn't circumcised at the time. So Paul actually circumcises him. God bless mm -hmm. that man. Mm -hmm. And they go, and Paul takes Timothy along on his missionary journey before he's appointed as the pastor in Ephesus. In Ephesus. Um, and then in Paul's letter to Timothy, which we read earlier uh, before the talk. 
he talks about some of the issues that Timothy is facing, and they aren't light things. I mean, no, they're they're pretty intense. Like yeah. he talks about um, teachings that come through hypocritical liars. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he says to Timothy, like, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in life, love, faith, and purity. So, like. Paul is speaking to Timothy in a context in which Timothy is a young leader in a church that abounds with heresy, <laughs> right. essentially, yeah. right? And false teaching and people who don't um, think of him as credible. Right, and therefore division, right? right. Heresy like, like, like always brings division yeah, into absolutely. the church. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, it strikes me that that's like, like you said, that's not dissimilar to what's happening now. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think like heresy, of course, was like, uh, I think, particularly on display in this church at this time, but it has been a problem throughout the church Absolutely. for all of history, right? right? Yep. And false teaching. And even when um, false teaching is not explicitly heretical, it can mm -hmm. still be divisive and harmful right. to the gospel. And I think we actually get a lot of that now, mm -hmm. and it is disseminated so much more easily mm -hmm. with the internet. Um, and our culture is really one of celebrity worship. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And with so many platforms and this like value inherent in the way that we use those tools, um, it's just very easy for people to become divided along lines of like, well, I listen to this teacher, or I listen right. to that teacher. And people aren't actually always taking the time to consider what are they actually saying? <laughs> right. And how in line is it with the gospel? Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's just, I, I feel for Timothy, his situation yeah. is so overwhelming because Paul's not with him right. pastoring at this time. You right. know, his mentor is gone. Um, and really what he's trying to do is help the church in Ephesus cling to truth. Yeah. What is true yeah. about God and what is true about Jesus and following Jesus. And so I think Gen Z is facing the same crisis. They're asking, what is true? So many voices daily, the, from mm -hmm. the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep, there is information and voices bombarding them. Mm -hmm. And they're asking the question, what is true? Mm -hmm. And then also feeling insecure about their youth and their right. age and resisting leadership and right. authority. And so um, I love that throughout the letters to Timothy, Paul constantly says, remember what you saw me do. <laughs> remember, yeah, remember how I, I modeled, remember? remember what I taught yeah. you. Exactly. Yeah, remember how you did this thing with me or like, yeah. yeah. And in 2 mm -hmm. Timothy, Paul says, um, what you heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching. And again, mm -hmm. in chapter three, he says, you know my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, the persecution suffered, the things that happened mm -hmm. to me in all these places. Timothy was with him, saw mm -hmm. him enduring hardships. Mm -hmm. And then he says, remember what I showed you. So there, we have this idea of modeling as a way of bringing up the next generation, as a way of making a way forward for them to give them hope and credibility. And so, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's so, so important and something we can't miss. Yeah, I agree. I think like you're absolutely right. The thing that we see from Paul is this like, not just teach about perseverance, not just say this is the right thing to do. You have to like, actually you have to persevere. Life. You have to actually persevere. Yeah. You have to actually model it. And you have to do it alongside the people mm -hmm. that you're trying to bring along, right? It's not like a here now, like 
you just do this thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a persevere with me so that you learn how to do this thing and then yeah. you can and, and then hold to that in every situation. But I think that begs the question for us, mm -hmm. right, of like in our context, yeah. how, how do we do that? Because I'm not Paul, and I'm not in ancient <laughs> yeah. Ephesus. You're not planning to circumcise a bunch of students. <laughs> not gonna circumcise a bunch of students. I'm also not gonna sure. get shipwrecked somewhere right. in the Mediterranean. Yeah. So like, what does perseverance look like in our context, um, and how do we model yeah. the Christian life? Great question. Um, I would say first and foremost, we need to be rooted in scripture. Yes. And in varsity, we're kind of notoriously snobby about scripture, yeah, we, we love it. Um, what I've noticed these days is so many people, they rely on other voices, outside voices, uh, to teach them about scripture. Mm. But what we need to do is teach ourselves and the next generation how to actually go to scripture and find conviction in scripture for ourselves, mm -hmm. which is not easy because we're talking about a 2000 plus year old document yeah. translated from an ancient language. So I studied Mandarin, Chinese. Yep. Um, you can't just translate Mandarin words to English. English is a fairly modern language. You lose yeah. meaning, context. I mean, these words have been crafted for generations. And that's the same for Hebrew and Greek and, and Aramaic. I'm not saying we need to learn these things, but I am saying that... <laughs> <laughs> I am saying there are tools available to us in which we can uh, go to the scriptures and even simply mm -hmm. the teachings of Jesus for ourselves and learn how to find conviction from them. So I know you're going to ask the question, how? How do I learn? I, don't, I can't go to seminary right now. You don't have to go to seminary. It's okay. But there are so many fantastic resources available. The Bible Project has a resource called How to Read the Bible. Oh, you can Google it. Perfect. Three-part series or four-part series, just Google it, How to Read the Bible. Another book by one of my favorite theologians, Gordon Fee, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth is fantastic. And actually this summer um, at The Well, we'll be doing a series on how to read scripture. And so we need to equip the next generation because they, they, they need to have the tools mm -hmm. to find truth in mm -hmm. scripture for themselves. Yeah, like we're so tempted to just take in scripture via someone else's um, I love Tim Keller. Give it. me some more Timmy K. Oh yeah, he's But great. we need to actually go <laughs> to it ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and the thing is like, even when we're listening to people that, that we really like or yeah. that we don't really like, sure. way, we need to learn how to tell um, like the value, like of what they're saying, right? Scripture tells us to test right. the spirits, like right. test yeah. teaching, test what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. So um, you can identify false prophets, false yeah, voices. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so like one of the things that I've really been leaning into lately with that is um, really looking for the fruits of the spirit. Mm. So I think our celebrity worship culture <laughs> leads us to look for values that provide celebrity, right? right? We look for charisma. charisma. <laughs> Hot word. Yeah. yeah. We look for like good speakers. We look even for... the hard data of followers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like audience is so often one of our like mm -hmm. biggest parameters, but actually like that is not what Paul says comes of the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that is not what God looks for. Mm -hmm. It's not like the size of your audience or the reach that you have or whatever, Absolutely. right? It's the fruits of the spirit. So like, can we learn to identify those in people? Mm -hmm. In our leaders particularly, yeah. Absolutely. I think too, inviting God into the fabric of our daily mundane lives. And so what I mean by this is we need to invite 
um, God to be a part of our families, our rhythms of life. You know, for uh, us millennial parents, uh, they're saying rather than doing like a one big sex talk with our kids, they're saying have 300 one minute sex talks. I think prayer is kind of similar. Yeah. Rather than doing like one big extravagant holy day on Sundays, bring God, bring 300 one minute prayers. Um, whenever your child or your family or is, someone is sick, take a moment yeah. to pray for healing. Mm. Um, when, you're, when you notice that you're anxious or your child is anxious, take a moment and, and pray for peace. Mm. Ask, like acknowledge mm. that He is there. He is a present part of your family and your reality. Mm. Um, and th that helps and it might feel fake at first, it might feel awkward, sure. and that's okay. But um, the more you practice, the more natural it will feel. And I think we need yeah. to really start bringing, um, bringing the Spirit, bringing Jesus into our, our daily mundane <laughs> moments. Totally, and I think especially like, if the thing that we want for our kids and our young people is that they experience God in every moment of their day, we actually have to experience God in we every moment of them. our day, Absolutely. right? Um, I think that, like flows really well into kind of our next thing, which is like have a model and have a robust life outside of the internet, right? Yeah. Like not every trend in Gen Z is related to the internet, but the ones that make them distinct are. Mm. And so like the thing that we need to break is this idea that hybrid reality is the only reality or like the internet needs to, um, be part of every like sure. part of life, right? right? We can't just say, okay, put down your screens and then make them sit there. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> spend time with your kids. Yeah, provide <laughs> a fun time. experience. Yeah, don't don't just make them like sit and, and read the Bible or like pray <laughs> instead of playing a video game. Right. Like, I'm sorry, I love Jesus and I don't want to do that all yeah. the time. Okay. <laughs> Um, and like part of the problem is they'll get the idea, the wrong idea, that that is somehow the epitome of Christian life. Mm -hmm. But actually it's not, right? Like the Christian life is about- It's rich. Loving your neighbors. Yeah. It's about being engaged in your community. It's about Adventure enjoying- Adventure creation. Yeah, enjoying God's creation and tending to it mm -hmm. and caring for the vulnerable and like all of these good things that actually make life really beautiful and meaningful and joyful. Um, so like, you know, take time to experience those things and also to help your kids experience them. And then because the reality is that a lot of their life is spent on, on screens, spend time with them on Go into their, their world. Yeah. yeah. Like talk to them about their video games, ask them about the friends they're making around the world when they play mm -hmm. games. Um, watch a movie with them and don't have your phone with you when you do it. Like how many people so are on multiple <laughs> screens at a time, yeah. right? Like practice intentional screen time totally. instead of just like distracted screen time. Mm. Um, and have some grace for when the boundaries sure. don't hold, right? Yeah. Like I know you guys are trying to do like no phones at the table during yeah. supper. Yeah. With our three-year-olds and one-year-olds. Yeah, it's a good precedent to set, <laughs> yeah. but it's not always. It's like, hard. Sometimes, sometimes you have work. Yeah, You have to be available. Yeah. That's okay, but like, explain that graciousness so that your kids also like yeah. learn to inhabit that and right say, like this doesn't it's not a rigid thing because like it's the right thing to do right but like we have this rule because we value yeah like we believe you're worth our full attention yeah. that's what we say to our three-year-old you're worth our full attention mm -hmm. and we hope it sticks yeah yeah so we yeah. really believe that i think too finally what i'll say to the older generations is we need to listen to the questions that Gen Z is asking, and they've mm. got a lot of questions mm -hmm. for us. We need to listen to them. And actually, some of the feedback that they're going to give us is going to feel challenging, and it's going to feel 
um, maybe disrespectful even in some ways, but they are coming from a different worldview. And I truly believe that yeah. if we give a path for Gen Z in our churches, they could save the church from the trajectory that it's going, which is into obsoletism. Yeah. And so we need to give space and it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I think like if we approach their questions and observations and even their like anger and emotion with humility, I think God is faithful to give us the tools to respond mm -hmm. in ways that are wise and helpful mm -hmm. um, and robust. And our last question is, mm -hmm. um, Sanj, what do we want Gen Z to know? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we want you guys to know that you're not alone, Yeah, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't have to walk this path alone. Um, we really believe yeah. in you and your ability to, leave, mm -hmm. to lead. Um, you know, I think like we're taking a very Paul position here saying to Timothy, like, don't give up yet. Yeah. Um, remember like the things that those around you have modeled about the faith and like keep holding us to mm -hmm. a higher standard. I think we need that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say that the world of the, the digital world, the world of social media, it can feel like a riptide that pulls you in mm. and it's so easy to drown mm -hmm. in that. But the one thing that you can cling to that is unchanging is Jesus. And so um, when things feel overwhelming, I would say find Jesus, cling to him, um, whether it's through your community or through scripture. He's the thing that will keep you from getting swept away um, with the rest of us, really. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we believe in you. We believe in you so much that Sanjana have, and I have given our lives, really, to investing in you mm -hmm. and loving you um, and advocating for you in the church and in the world. And so we're just going to wrap up by taking a minute to pray for you. So if you are someone that was born between 1997 and 2010, or we'll be a little loose around there, <laughs> um, yeah, we just want to encourage you, uh, if if you're in a community right now to stand up or uh, the people around you, if you could come and lay hands on that person, mm -hmm. on those young people, just as a symbol of saying, we stand with you. We understand that the world you're inheriting is overwhelming and scary, but you mm -hmm. will not be alone. We will stand with you. And mm -hmm. so we're just going to take a minute to pray for you. Holy God, we just thank you so much um, for your word. Thank you, that, thank you for Paul and Timothy that they recorded their relationship so we can learn, God, um, how to raise up the next generation. Father, we just confess that at times we feel overwhelmed and afraid when we see the world. Um, and Jen said they are feeling heavy now. But Jesus, you say that your yoke is easy, so come and bring the easy yoke. Jesus, it is not intimidating to you. Mm. God, would you give these us older generations the wisdom, the patience, the love um, to see and raise up and make space for the next generation, God. And we pray for the next generation that you would give them courage, God, that you would give them anointing, and ultimately that they would be a part of your narrative of redemption for the world. We pray this specifically for the young people in the Well Church in Toronto, God. We need you to come and come, Holy Spirit, Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, you are so faithful, um, and you do not change generation to generation. And so, God, we know that you are more than able to give 
wisdom and grace and love and anointing to, um, to Gen Z, to their parents, to their mentors, to all of those who, um, yeah, who want to live a life that models perseverance mm. and also to like step into a life of, uh, of persevering for the faith, God, um, because this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labor and strive mm. that we have put our hope in the living God, who is yeah. the savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Mm -hmm. So God, would our hope be not put to shame? Mm. Um, would you, the living God, come and be present in every living room, in every um, bedroom, just through every screen that this is being mm. um, taken in on? Um, yeah, God, would you, your presence uh, be felt? Would your anointing fall? And um, yeah, would this generation be filled with a hope that sets them apart from their peers? Mm -hmm. Would you fill your people with, mm -hmm. with hope that stands in the face of despair, in the face of anxiety, in the face of depression? Mm -hmm. um, would they be your light to a world that is drowning in the riptide mm -hmm. of culture? Mm -hmm. We pray all these things in your name, trusting that you are faithful to the end. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you.